What's up, runners? On this week's episode of the Up and Running Podcast, I am having an amazing discussion with the owner and founder of Run, Thrive, Survive. Sierra Carter is a mental health advocate and Actually, she works in mental health as well with her clients and in a coaching capacity. I am absolutely in love with the conversation that we had today. We touched on so many topics, not just only mental health, but how everything kind of feeds into each other when you are a runner and to be aware of these habits and how to kind of break through and create a more gentle as well as consistent way to show up for yourself is so important. So I hope you stay tuned and enjoy. What's up, runners? This is the Personalized Running Doc. I'm a runner rehab specialist, running coach, and competitive distance runner. And throughout the early years of my running career, I was plagued with repetitive injuries and told by many a professional that it was my body's own fault, that my body wasn't built for running. So either I could quit or just live with the pain. I decided to choose option three, dive into the science behind running and training, which is what allowed me to return to running pain-free and continue chasing after my own PRs to this day. And now I'm gonna tell you all that I have learned along the way and how I coach my own athletes to do the same. This is the Up and Running Podcast. All right, runners, welcome to the Up and Running Podcast. And I have a guest here today, Sierra from Run, thrive, survive. I said that correctly, correct? Yes, you did. Yes, okay, you perfect. Did. Um, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast, but I'm gonna have I'm gonna literally give you the mic and have you kind of talk about yourself and your running journey and all that, and we'll dive straight in. Yeah, no, thank first off, thank you for having me on. I love being on podcasts. Like it's fun recording my own podcast, but it's also fun being a guest. So I really appreciate you having me on. And yeah, I've let's see, I've been a runner. Probably. Okay. So 2016 is my first race. I hated running up until that point. I used to just run on a treadmill for, because I could, and I was in high school. I was just graduating high school. I was like, it's fine. Like I'm running to stay in shape. Um, prior to that kind of my road into it is I would run and I stopped eating correctly, um, in high school. Cause you know, it's very typical for high schoolers to want to be skinnier. And at that time it was like, I want to be skinny. I want to be pretty. I want to be popular. So I wouldn't mm-hmm only fruit. And I would run a lot. And I became very anemic where I ended up in the hospital with very low iron, which is something runners struggle with in general. I just had a very extreme case where my iron dropped so low to, it was like 2.9 hemoglobin for anybody that understood super low, but because I wasn't bleeding out, like I, I didn't die, which is not good because usually they say four and below is where you I was going to say, but amazing that you didn't have any of that happening in terms of like internal bleeds or anything. Right. And that's, and that was honestly my savior. And they had said, if I was ever in a major accident, I would have bled out fast because I had no oxygen in my body. So after that, I kind of went on this journey of, all right, well, my mental health was wrong and my fitness was wrong. I mean, everything was wrong. And I was a high schooler. I didn't know any better. And so I had gone to college and I kept running. And that's when some of my friends got me into races. And I actually placed first in my age group in a half marathon. It was like a random half marathon. And I was like, I'll go run it. Why not? And I was hooked. And I thought this was great. This was the greatest thing ever because I used to compete in high school in basketball and I love sports. It was great. 
And it just kind of spiraled from there. So it was like started with a half marathon, a couple five Ks, and then I just jumped into marathons. And I really like the marathon distance because I like running for long periods of time. I'm not a super fast runner, but I think when you compare me to like long distance speeds, I'm relatively okay Mm -hmm. at it, but I'll never sprint. Five Ks are my worst ones because I'm again, not fast one. I'm just like the long distance for a long period of time. Let's my thoughts out. Um, so, and that's kind of, that's, that's generally my, my pathway into this is I needed something. I was always active and I needed to change it where I could change my relationship with food to fuel my runs. So Mm -hmm. I almost use that to change my, like my, the mental side of getting out of an eating disorder because all I wanted to do was be skinny. Um, and which I do talk about a lot where how a runner's minds, we're, we're so different. We, when we dive inside a runner's mind, we think differently in specific ways and it's very common when people have issues with either how they look or how their training's going and they're very rigid about it. And that's something I wanted to go into. I went into psychology in my undergrad. I actually went to business afterwards and then didn't like accounting and finance and went back into psychology as a therapist, um, which is what I do now. (laughs) So that's kind of my long journey with running. And I really always incorporate wellness into it. I really incorporate mental health with wellness because you cannot... You can't do either or you can't have your fitness without your mental health and you can't have your mental health without keeping your yourself in physically good shape. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you have to be muscular. Physically good shape means, you know, you're doing something, you're active, you're getting that blood flowing and you're letting your, you know, you're letting the blood get to your, um, your brain and help you out there. So that's kind of my journey into running what I do, what I work with, with people. Um, and it's a lot of fun and it's really it's really great. And I would have to say, I've learned a lot in my own self over the past few years of where running fits in, in different seasons of your life. And it can change on the, on a, on a dime. And it's, (laughs) it's really crazy because it's not until you go through it. Do you understand how to help other people? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, first, thank you for sharing that. And yeah, I totally can like understand that also from like my own perspective of like you learn as you're going through it and I think especially because you just started to incorporate like the longer distances that forced you to really get a handle on fueling for your strength and for your power and for your speed for those long endurances because like if you are not you're going to know right off the bat, like you're going to know, and you're not going to be able to train. You're not going to be able to show up the same way. You're going to have problems. You're going to get injured. Um, and so like, it was either kind of for you, like either I do this and I do it the right way, or I do it wrong. And like more problems are going to arise along the way. And so like, it, it, it is a good way to kind of like almost keep yourself in a certain plane and understand what you're utilizing food for when, there is maybe a history of like disordered eating or eating disorders um, that you can kind of like snap yourself out of those habitual patterns that can sometimes build. Cause like, I totally get that. Um, When I was in high school and like college, I also had a issue with like disordered eating. I didn't have like a quote unquote eating disorder, but I was tracking my calories. I was running to burn them off. If I ate something more, I was doing some form of exercise to like burn an extra hundred calories. Um, and I was so cognizant of like every little thing that I put in my body. And I look back now and I'm like, there are so many signs of like 
one of the reasons why I experienced so many injuries that I did during that time, because I was also like a high collegiate runner was because I wasn't fueling properly for my sport. And I was focusing on five K's and 10 K's at that time before I went into marathons. But like, even then, even at those lower distances, you can still have those problems, especially if you're really trying to go for like those higher intensity performances. Um, and that performance again, can vary from beginner to advanced, but yeah. you, you need few, you need food, you need fuel and food can be so much more than just that. But I find that that can be a helpful kind of mind shift for people to focus on like why we're eating this food and why we're trying to get in these nutrients to like feel good in our running. Yeah. And I I find it really interesting with runners. So like, you know, there's really two reasons why, why we're running. We're either trying to lose weight or it's like mental health and competition, right? Like it's, it's kind of like competition, like sets us up for it. Right. And when you're running to lose weight, that's where you see the rigidity of, <laughs> I have to eat this. I, if I ate a donut today, I've got to go an extra half mile. You know, like it's very, very black and white for a lot of people when it comes to running and losing weight. And it's interesting because the mental shift doesn't just happen when you decide that you're going to fuel your body for your runs. And I find it where you have to set yourself up. Like you it's, it goes with your identity, right? Where mm-hmm. you're, you're not really a runner. You're just running to lose weight. But once mm-hmm. you start to identify as a runner, and that's why I always like help um, people I work with, like sign up for a race. Like, I don't care if we're going to win this race. I don't care if we're going to place this race, sign up for a race because the, the, my, it helps your mindset shift start to go from, I'm, I'm just going to lose weight running. I'm not much of a, I'm not a runner yet to, okay, I'm going to compete. And if I want to do well, and again, it's, it's all about shifting your mindset. And this is where it's like those small itty bitty steps. If I want to do well and set a goal, I'm going to have to eat to get there. You know, I'm going to have to eat so I don't get injured. I'm, you know, I don't want my body to break down from overuse and not fueling correctly. And, um, you know, muscle breakdown and all those problems, they start to see themselves more as a runner as they go towards this goal, because now they're goal oriented because their goal was to lose weight. And once you shift your goal to actually a competition, it's really easy to start actually eating and not worry about every single thing that passes your lips. Mm-hmm. But that transition is probably one of the more painful transitions if you're if you're very rigid about it. And yeah. I like running personally, and you can do it with lifting weights. You can do it with, it with any sports. But again, I'm a runner. I relate to runners. Running has so many like data, like so much like data to look at. It has, you know, paces. It has, if you want your turnover time, some people count their steps. I don't do that. I've never done that, but I know people that do. So I'm not counting. I'm not discounting that. Um, you know, finishing times, PRs, so many other numbers to focus on for your improvements in what you're doing rather than your weight. Mm -hmm. And that's why I particularly love running because it's a very clean cut, data-driven sport that helps you get off the numbers of your weight. And you start to, I, I personally don't own a scale. I haven't weighed myself in like a year or two. And I don't intend to, because as long as I can run, as long as I can match the goals that I want to, my weight doesn't matter because Mm -hmm. it turns into muscle and it looks like fat on a scale. And I'm not going to let that get into my head. Yeah, no, I totally, I, yeah, I love that. And I think like, when coming into running, a lot of people need those objective extrinsic like data points. Like yes. you said, they they need that because they want to know that they're doing better. 
And it's probably in the later stages as a runner, when you've been doing it for a couple of years or a decade or longer that like, you can start to sit back and you can start to have like those intrinsic motivations of like, do I feel good running? Do I feel strong running? Do I feel powerful? And the journey to get there for some people like takes their entire life and other people, it takes a little bit shorter because of just different variables. Um, but yeah, there are so many other things that you can focus on besides the number on the scale to validate that you are making progress, that you are improving and you're moving forward. Um, and I, that's one of the conversations that I do have more often than not with like my female athletes in terms of they get so caught up with the number on the scale going up and they're afraid that that automatically means that they're going to run slower and that it's not going to like correlate to them being as fast or able to get as fast. And I'm like, but we don't know what that number breakdown actually is. Like we don't understand what that physiological like impact actually is for you in terms of whether it is actually fat mass or whether it is muscle mass. And like, if it's muscle mass, is that going to bother you? And every single time they're like, no. And I'm like, well then unless we're doing a DEXA scan and we're really finding out what's happening, then like the number on the scale doesn't necessarily tell us everything. Um, and I, so like, I'm actually in the process right now of working with a nutrition coach and I like, it's really hard for me to talk about this stuff because like, there's so much out there of like, don't diet, don't do this. Don't like try to lose weight, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but it's okay if you want to, like, let's put that out there. It is okay. If you want to lose weight, if you want to, um, improve your lean body mass, it just can't, it has to be in a sustainable way. And most people if they're doing moderate exercise and they're in a moderate calorie deficit, they can get those lean body mass changes, but you also have to be like strength training to get that as well. You can't just be running because running is going to burn both, um, just because of the endurance demands. But right now I'm working with a nutrition coach because I want to lean up. I've been strength training really heavily for the entire year. I, my mileage hasn't been crazy high. I'm pretty much in a very like maintenance mode right now, like of where I could like hang out. And so because of that, I'm in a good spot for managing my load, managing my intensity and trying to go into a very modest calorie deficit for me to change my body composition. Now my weight may change slightly with this, or it might not change that much. I don't know. I have no idea what that number is. And I know this because I've done this before where I've, again, tried to change my body composition, focus more on getting more muscular, getting stronger, getting faster and prioritizing performance. That's what I prioritize over everything. Um, And still kind of respecting my body's need for food. And when I was like, when I was in college, I was like obsessed with the number of like being at the weight between like 125 and 130. And I think yeah, that's that because... was like the sweet spot for yeah, everyone. Like, that was mine too. Yeah, 125. Everybody, everybody had that sweet spot. My mom had that number in her head yeah. and like the bot, the BMI chart for somebody, my height, which is five, two says that I should be at that range. Well, one, the most validating thing for me years later that I was like, oh my God, I never even thought about that. And like, I should think about that because like I'm a medical professional. I know that these things exist, but people have different um, bone densities 
And some people have small bones, some people have medium bones, some people have big bones. I am somebody that's probably like a medium to big bone woman. And like, it's just the fact that I have thicker bones. Like if you put me next to one of my best friends, who's literally the same height as me, you go to like, put your hand, your like fingers around your wrist, my wrist in comparison to her wrist, which again, you're not going to have much fat mass or muscle mass around that area. It's mainly a tendinous area. They're very different sizes. Like I can get like a full circle around her wrist and still have room to spare my wrist. Not so much. So like we are different in the bone sizes that we have. So we're never going to be the same weight. There's never going to be a weight that um, is the same. And this was like from a book, um, Dr. Stacey Sims. Um, Oh my God. What's the name of the book? It's one of her, it's her uh, roar. There we go. Um, and she, I've read that. That's such a good book for anybody. She has a chart in there of like what people's, how much people's weights can change depending upon if you are like a medium to a low, small bone to a big bone person, they can change like 10 to 15 pounds. And I'm like, Oh my God, that makes so much sense. So Mm -hmm. when I went through, this is a long convoluted way to say it, but when I went through this nutrition journey before to prioritize building muscle, losing fat mass performance, all of these things, again, I was in a very, very modest calorie deficit, like 200 calories, 300 calories on a daily basis. And so I was still eating relatively high because my training demands were high and I was training for marathons at the time. So like I couldn't be any lower because it would be risky, but I, I ended up getting down to, I think like 140 pounds. And I started off at like 150. It was like 142 was probably like where like my weight would kind of like hover at. I look at videos of myself in that and like 20 year old Lauren would have been like, oh my God, you finally got down to that 125, 130. And I would have been like, hooray. And then I'm like me as a 30 year old and like jokes on you. I was actually 15 pounds heavier because it was all muscle and muscle weighs more than fat. And so like it all depends. So right now, like I've built more muscle in the past year. I'm a lot stronger than I was even last year. So like me trying to change my weight again, I may be a bit like five, eight pounds heavier simply because it's muscle mass now. And so whatever I end up ranging at when I kind of finish this journey it's okay. As long as I still feel good, I'm running well and my clothes fit, like that's all I want. That's what I want to feel. Um, and so like, it's about finding that balance. And I honestly recommend if like somebody is really interested in doing this to work with somebody that's a professional that understands the ins and outs and also understands endurance sports. Like you need to work with somebody that understands Mm -hmm. endurance because it is different. I've worked with people that don't, and it's very, very hard for you to create that balance because of it. So like, if you want to lose weight, if you want to lose fat and mass in particular, you want to lean up great, do it responsibly, do it with the assistant of somebody that knows what they're doing. Um, and understand that you can't do it forever. Like what I'm doing right now, I cannot do forever. I can only do it for a very small period of time. And then I have to go back into what is considered like a maintenance mode and, eat my normal amount of calories. Great thing is that it's aligning up when I'm going on vacation. So I'm like, cool, this is awesome. Love it. Um, and then I can kind of, again, reevaluate what my goals are at that point. And honestly, my goals probably at that point are going to be more performance-based because it's going to be the spring and I want to run some really fast races. So like me trying to create a deficit 
not a smart move. Not a, not a good time to do that. Yeah, no, I, gosh, first I want to applaud you for actually saying that your, your lower miles, more strength training. God, that's so hard for runners. <laughs> that is so hard for runners to understand that that's okay. Like mm-hmm. you're still a runner. It doesn't make you less of a runner. It makes you a stronger runner. And mm-hmm. I think that is so important for people to hear and say, okay, that's okay for me to do because I've been in that same stage. And I'm telling like, even still the mental struggle where I'm like, Oh, but I'm not training for a marathon. And like, I think it's because I'm in the habit. Like people will ask me what, what race are you doing next? I'm like, nothing. Like I have nothing coming up and that's okay. Like I just, I got, I'm a little burnt out with life at the moment. And it's like, I'm I'm not going to train for a race. Like I wouldn't be consistent with miles. It's snowing in Salt Lake city. It's icy. It's gross. It's cold. The long runs aren't going to happen. I go to Orange Theory a lot. I'm also a coach at Orange Theory. So I really enjoy them just pushing me right now because, you know, sometimes we all need help and we just need something like that. So I, I applaud you that you were actually pulling back on the miles. You're, you'll pick it back up in the spring, but you're focusing on your strength training and your muscle building. It's so, that's so refreshing to hear. And a lot of us just need to rehear that as runners. Yeah. I, so like, that is probably the thing I talk about the most is like strength training. And you know what? I get it. I get that. It's hard. Literally. I made a goal for myself this year because (laughs) I was like, I need to stick to this. And it was to try to strength train at least twice a week, like for the majority of the year. And I've Mm -hmm. like 95% of the year, I have held myself to that. Um, if not a little bit more some weeks versus other weeks, because of just like, again, commitments, life, all of those things. Like yeah. I, I work at running camps and like when I'm at running camps, I'm not strength training. Like I'm literally running around, running after children and handling all of that. So like, there's no strength training availability to me to, I'm just trying to get enough sleep to handle all of the chaos, um, yeah. controlled chaos of camp. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of like, chaos, the, uh, love it. Yeah. That's so that's literally what the coaches, um, that run the camp call it. They're like, this is controlled chaos. It is still chaos, but it's somewhat controlled in a nice bubble. Um, but the remainder of the year, like I really tried to keep myself consistent on that. And like, even at this point, again, my mile just kind of like hovering somewhere between like low twenties to high twenties. And like, I'm really happy with that right now. Like maybe it'll go up a little bit over the winter if I can build my long run, but I'm also going to kind of like see how I feel. And that's the thing. Like I communicate again, I have multiple coaches because I believe in all this stuff. I need somebody to hold me accountable. I need somebody's other eye in on this to like help me not go into my own runner brain. (laughs) And Also, I communicate on a weekly basis so that they can help me kind of figure out what the right balance is. And so like my long run right now can be somewhere between as low as like, and I say low, low is for me, not for everybody, but low for me, like eight, eight and a half miles. Um, And then at the end of the month, like I have a goal because I will have the time, the flexibility to do it, to run a 13 to 15 mile long run. Again, because of where my mileage is, that's going to be a feasible jump for me. Yeah. Not going from eight to 15. Like I have like 10 to 12, like kind of miles, um, kind of in there, but on a weekly basis, I'm kind of evaluating whether or not this is going to be possible. And I'm also scheduling those things around when I'm going to have the time available. Like you said, season of life, like right now, the rest, like the next couple of weeks, me trying to do an extremely long run, not going to go well because it's the holidays. It's the end of the year. (laughs) Life is crazy. Um, but the week, uh, week after Christmas, um, Christmas Eve or not Christmas Eve, um, 
New Year's Eve, like I'm like, oh, well, my partner is going to be actually working that day in the morning. I'm going to be just home. Might as well go for a two hour long run because I have the time and the availability and I have the capacity to know that like I'm going to have like a really chill week that week um, heading into the new year. So it's all about kind of like balancing those things and understanding that like you can't always be pushing. You can't always be striving for things. It has to ebb and flow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I also, I, gosh, I want to go back to, you said it a little bit ago in, um, tr- make sure you're working with professionals within endurance sports. I have worked with a nutritionist and she's a great nutri- nutritionist. She did not understand endurance sports. Right. And so I told her like my running schedule at one point and she's like, that's not sustainable. And I was like, well, like, I'm not going to do this forever, but that's like what I'm doing for she, that. She, you know, she just kept telling me like, that's not sustainable. You need to eat certain things like this. And like, I had told her like, cause I had gotten a nutrition coach, right. For the fact that I am very anemic or I was anemic. I needed help trying to manage my rate running with my eating. I just wanted help. And I, it's like, I wasn't asking for advice on my running in a way I was trying to ask for advice on how to feel for my runs because I need more than what I was doing. Um, and ultimately like, it just didn't work out. Um, mm-hmm. and I found like other, I, and like, like it's, I have a doctor who's also like a performance coach. So he's a PA, but he's also a performance coach and he does nutrition, like everything. He's an awesome. This guy is amazing. And I always pick his brain and everything about what I'm eating. And, you know, like I eat a lot of steak and a lot of red meat. And I know a lot of people don't like that, but because I'm so low in iron and I have a very, you know, like I can feel like when it gets low and I do, I drop a lot. And I don't know if that's from what happened when I was 17 or if it's just because that's a woman thing. Some people are more susceptible. Susceptible Like some people are just like naturally a little bit lower and like, it's a lot harder for them to sustain certain levels of iron. Um, and it does tend to pop up obviously more with females, but yeah, for you, like you, yeah. you need to eat easily accessible sources of iron and that's going to be red meat. Red meat is going to yep. be the number one source. And it's that you can... liver and organ meat is what I do is okay. it, and it's ground into ground beef. So mm-hmm. that's honestly what I have like every single day for lunch, which it, again, for a lot of people, they don't like that. And that's totally okay, but you don't it. have to do that. And, right. It's like <laughs> you're you not preaching that you, oh, that other you. people should, yeah, <laughs> right. that other people right. should be doing this be because okay. you're doing this. Right. But like the difference between somebody that was having me fish tacos, like three fish tacos a night for my long runs versus somebody that's like, you need like this certain amount here. Like you don't have to go as heavy on the carbs as everybody thinks you have to as a runner. Like you have to balance it out with the protein. Like it is, it makes a world of difference. So make sure you, you have somebody and professionals surrounding you that understand the endurance sports because they, they are a different breed. Mm-hmm. Um, they're different from just showing up to the gym, doing an hour workout, leaving and going about your day and your career and everything else. Like it's, you're committed to it. It's an around the clock deal. It's snacking in between. It's so many different things, um, on top of what you're already trying to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. Like just somebody that is trying to like m- change body composition, lose fat mass that is yeah. not really running utilizing some cardio to assist. So they're doing like cardio intermittently throughout their week, but they're mainly doing forms of like strength training or hit workouts or things like that. Um, they are going to, it's in my mind, it's like actually a little bit of an easier calculation in terms of how to kind of 
monitor quote unquote calories in versus calories out, how to monitor like your macronutrients, your fat, your carbs, and your protein. When you're a runner, it has to shift. Like there, so even right now with me in a uh, quote unquote deficit and my, my intake changes on the day before and the day of my long run. And I have a 5k that I'm doing this Saturday. My intake is changing the day before. So she has me increasing my carbs on those days that I'm either needing to load prior to a long run or prior to a race. And then on a day that my intensity, my volume is going to be more because my body needs more. It like my body will naturally be in a very high deficit that day. And so the normal quote on like the normal, like 200 calorie deficit that I'm in is actually going to be much greater on those days because of the volume and the intensity. And so that means that I need to bridge that gap by actually eating a little bit more. So it's not just like this equal math all the way through, like there has to be some like flexibility there and the nutrition that you take in during your long run, like needs to be accounted for so that we know that you're getting in enough fuel but it doesn't count to your day. Like if you're yeah. going for a 10 mile long run, whatever you take in during your long run does not count to your calorie count or your macro count for the day. Yeah. Like don't count those things the same um, because you're you, you're utilizing those carbs. You're utilizing that fuel in the moment. It is like going in and going out, going in and going out because your body just is like running on high and burning through its reserves and needs those fuel readily accessible. And that's why we're fueling when we're running. Yeah. We kind of like went down a nutrition side of things. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I was just thinking, I was like, huh. I was like, I should have studied up more on my nutrition. (laughs) I'm not as good as everybody says. And like, you know, actually I want to make that side note. And I think it's funny because it's like, when you hear us talk about it, right? Like I struggle with nutrition more than I struggle with anything else I feel like in life sometimes. And I mean, that is one thing right now in my life, in this era of my life, I am having to reset because over the past year, I moved out from my safe space of Florida into Salt Lake City, Utah. And I had actually moved out here for a guy and it just didn't work out. Right. And during this journey, I've learned a lot about myself and that was running stayed the same, like running was my anchor. And this is kind of where I get into the mental health, like running was my anchor. It kept me going. It like kept me sane, like when nothing was okay out here, cause like I didn't have any of my friends. I didn't know where I was going to live. I didn't know what I was going to do. Like there's a lot of unknowns and for a lot of people unknown is horrifying. I think mm-hmm. there's a quote, it's, um, people would rather stay with a miserable hell than a, um, uh, an unknown heaven and, or go with an unknown heaven. And I thought that was always so interesting because we do, we do everything that's comfortable to us. People run the same race routes all the time. People will do the same races over and over again, because we know what to suspect or, or sorry, expect, we know what to expect. We know how it ends. And it's such an interesting take when you're like in that moment and you feel like you can't get up in during the day. Right. But you can go run this, the same race route. And or the same running route that you do. And that's why I always like when I talk to people, especially when we're focusing mental health on top of fitness and running, get your routines established because when it feels like life is falling apart, which it, there's always a point it will, um, (laughs) like I hate to say it, like there's always going to be rocky times, no matter what you get through, there's going to be more rocky times. If you establish a routine, you will resort to that routine and it will, it will just, if it drags you through, if it pushes you through, I don't care what, you know, 
ver- um, adjective you want to use, it will get you through the hard time when you need it most. And it doesn't need and, to be perfect. And it doesn't need to be perfect. Sometimes you just like, there are days like I just got up and walked the the block that I knew. Cause I was like, I just don't even have the energy, the mental like capacity to run, but I'm going to go do something because I need to, like, we, I can't just sit here and like, feel sorry for myself at some points. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, that's where it's so important. Like runners and we're a different breeds. Some people use stuff like that. And it fuels their run. And then we go a little overboard, which, you know, again, running, I always say like running is a drug we can do, you know, too little. And it's like not helping us function how we're supposed to. And too much. It's like, we're overdosing. So it's like, you got to find your happy medium. And sometimes when you're going through things like that, happy medium is like flipping side to side and that's okay. But it it's, it's just something that like, I always use it as my anchor and kind of going back to the nutrition I let go of my nutrition so hard this year. Like it was out the window. I used to eat, you know, breakfast and lunch and dinner. I was barely eating until like 3 p.m. after running and working out all morning. There was stress. I had never realized that stress in your life and unknown, like I wasn't hungry. And when I was hungry, I would eat and have like four bites and I would like almost want to go throw it up. It wasn't an eating disorder. It was just the stress response of, and it's not sitting in your stomach correctly. Yeah, I mean, there's so that much load to of it. Stress. Yep. Right. And there's so much to it. So it's like, doesn't matter what part of your life nutri- look at nutrition as you're looking at running, get those like go-to snacks, right? Get those like Get that go-to nutrition that works for you. Does it have to be perfect? No, I was surviving off of, of, of hamburgers and fries for a long time because that's the only thing I could eat without feeling like I wanted to like throw it back up for a long time. And it, again, it's not the healthiest, but it was food and it's something that gets you going. So, and mm-hmm. I think it's like, if you're going to have, if you know that you're going, going through something right now, or you're worried about someday going through something, because again, you most likely will start establishing those habits, whether it's in routines with food and nutrition, or it's, or it's um, no food or nutrition, I should say they benefit you so much in the long run when everything hits the fan. Yeah. And it's just like, it's things like that this year, working with people have really set like my, really set myself, like my mind up when working with clients that, what routines do we have in place? Right. Like, okay, the world is falling apart. Life is like every, like the ground is so unstable, but what things can we control? Right. And that's where going back to the eating disorder discussion, a lot of eating disorders are in fact a means because they have no control in any other area of their lives. Yeah. It has nothing to do with like appearance or like necessarily getting skinnier or whatever. Like it's actually like, it's the one thing that they can control. It's the one thing that they have like the autonomy to make a decision over. Um, that's why you see a lot of it in high school too, because nobody really has control of themselves Mm -hmm. in high school. No, no emotional control. Parents are still trying to parent you. I mean, it's just high school's a mess. And that's where you see a lot of it pop up because they can choose what goes into their mouth. Um, and it's, very specific. So, you know, you can have control of things and you can make it healthy Mm -hmm. is basically the mindset shift that I, and the revelations that I've come to is like, you can, you can control everything that you do for your health, for yourself, your self-care. Can you control anything happening to you? Most likely not, unless it's a choice and you know, the consequence and it's coming your way. But if it's just random things, 
the whatever's going on in the world you can't control no matter how how many of us think we can you can't and it's like once you place in healthy routines healthy habits stretching habits forerunners everything routines recovery routines when it gets hard those will be what you fall back on for your anchor and that's mm-hmm. why i always say like your health running whatever you're doing you need to have that anchor to get you through things yeah having having those habits. And like, I talk about that in my, like talking about the five facets of what I deem as running. So like physical activity, hydration, nutrition, um, mindset, stress management and recovery or sleep. And so like I have in my, in my own mind, like I have my own five habits, like of like, what is going to make me feel good. And so like, I have on a weekly basis of like, ideally how much I'm working out and it's not every day. And sometimes it's less, sometimes it's more like last week was super, super stressful. And I skipped two runs, had three rest days and still, but still made it to the gym, still did strength training. (laughs) Um, But I pulled back hard on the running side of things because I knew that that wasn't going to be the thing that made me feel good. But what I turned my priority, my priority to um, because stress was high, because life was becoming really lifey was I focused on trying to get good sleep, which was hard because I was stressed. And I focused on trying to eat good food um, and getting enough protein into my diet and drinking enough water and all of those things. And it's like, is it hard? Yeah, it's still hard some days. And sometimes it's not going to be perfect. Some days I'm only getting in 80 ounces of water versus I would love to be getting like a hundred on a daily basis. But you know what? Like I take what I did and I'm like, cool. At least I like put the effort in and I tried and tomorrow's another day and I can start all over again and work to try to be a little bit better and be a little bit more mindful about it. Um, And putting in those habits in place, like you said, before something happens is great, but sometimes things do happen. So like when they do, don't be afraid to like start then and start utilizing that like pattern then that you know is going to make you feel better. I actually just wrote like a newsletter to um like my community about this, like saying like this is it's the holiday season. It's December. Holiday season is in full swing. It's the most wonderful time of year, but it's also the most stressful for everybody. And so like if training is a great thing for you to help you manage that stress, that's awesome. If it is not, and it's actually going to make you more stressed out because you're either not getting in your runs or not getting them at all. Um, and it's making you more stressed out that you have another thing to tick off your box. Just opt out, do it, do something or do less. Like you still want to go for that run, but instead of 40 minutes, you can only do 20, then do 20, do it super easy. You don't have the capacity to do your hard workout today. Don't do it. Just go for a run and like get your time on feet. It is fine. Don't worry. It's not going to make or break you. And one month of the year that we're either not going towards a goal or not even maintaining fitness is not going to break the other 11 months. If you can fall back on just like trying to show up at that most basic level of just giving your opportunity to like get through the door, lowest barrier to entry. Like I'm all about that. Like how do we make it so easy for you to show up to just start? Because that's the hardest thing. Starting is the hardest thing for everybody. And if we can just start and keep going and keep showing up, that's where, again, the habit builds. That's where consistency comes from. That's where longevity builds off of. 
Um, and that's where motivation continues. People think that motivation is just like all of a sudden one day you're going to wake up and you're going to have motivation to do all the things that you want to do. Yeah. It it's would be bullshit. Nice. <laughs> that would be so nice. Be Trust amazing. me. It's all if, imagine. Problems. So like, I'm, I just watched the, the Harry Potter series again. Um, and imagine instead of like liquid luck, it was like liquid motivation. Like you could just like take a drink of that and like be motivated yeah. for the rest of your life. That'd be amazing, but it doesn't work like that. Motivation comes from building those habits, showing up for yourself. And then after a week or two or three, you're like, oh, hey, I feel pretty good about this. Or that run route that I went on, that was easier today. Or my workout went a little bit easier. Or, hey, I, I still got out the door. Like, I'm so proud of myself for staying consistent the past three weeks. Like, I haven't done that in so long. Yeah. Winning on so many different levels is possible. And creating that motivation is possible when you show up for yourself and you create those habits and take the wins. Yeah. I think a lot of us runners, like if our win is not a PR, we don't call it a win. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I can't, like, I mean, we're all guilty of it. We're like, Oh, I just ran 10 miles today. And everyone, you know, people that don't run are like, you just what? Like, I would be dead. like, what are you, what, what, what are you, why, how could you still be here walking? And you're like, yeah, it's fine. Like what it, it, it's just 10 miles. That's a win. If you're mm-hmm. having a hard time, that's a win. Take it as a win. Let yourself have it because, you know, not everybody can accomplish it. Again, if it's you ate one healthy meal in chaos and you could barely even like make the meal and you made it and you ate it, it was good for you. And it was nutrish, nutri- nutrient dense, <laughs> God, nutritious is what I meant to say. That's a win. And it's so hard to shift that mindset of like, you're always on to, I'm just going to take the small wins and we're going to keep going. Yeah. And sometimes that's all you can do. You know, if it's even like just going for a walk, that's a win because you haven't been able to do anything else. And again, the holidays are really hard for people. Holidays are hard for people physically and mentally. You know, a lot of people, when they gain weight around the holidays, it's a panic come mm-hmm. January 1st. A lot of people, their mental health is spiraling around the holidays because either your family didn't want to be around seasonal depression, too much family is around all the time. I mean, like there's a lot of things going on or like loneliness is another like huge epidemic we're facing and people are seeing that really come out during the holidays. If you lost loved ones, it's even harder. And if that's affecting your running, I would say like, I I wanted to bring this point up because this is another point I always talk to clients about if it hurts and it's harder to run and, but you're like, I need running for my mental health, but you just can't get yourself to do it. That's okay. Because you might need to do something else. Like maybe a bubble bath, you know, there's maybe your body sometimes being quiet and still being quiet and still sometimes just taking that extra hour of sleep because you're physically and mentally exhausted from Mm -hmm. what's going on in your life. Like, yes, running can be for your mental health. And we say that all the time, running is cheaper than therapy, but there's just some times where if you're, if you're in that fight or flight mode, you cannot get yourself to run. And it, a lot of us have experienced at one point in time, it's like, you're a marathon runner. And there's just like days when you're coming out of that adrenaline high, because there was so much going on, so much stress going on. You can't even like run a mile without stopping. And you're like, what's going on with me? Like I just Mm -hmm. did 26. Like I can't do this. Your body is tired and it's telling you, look, I know you want to do this for your mental health, but I need a break. And I promise you when you pull back a little bit and you allow yourself to have that break, do other things, experience life in other ways. 
it really does strengthen your body in ways that you won't see until you allow yourself to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, so like a couple points on that, like I read a post, actually one of my clients shared it with me and she was just like, I really think that you would like this. And it was a post talking about how essentially like you want to schedule in your days off. So kind of going off of what you're just talking about, Mm -hmm. like choosing that day, you want to schedule in your days off and have them in your schedule ahead of time and not have as many unscheduled days off pop up on your schedule, because that indicates that there's some over pushing, there's some overreaching that's happening. So like, again, last week I overreached the week prior when it was a holiday week, it was already pretty stressful being a holiday week, preparing for hosting, making meals, seeing a bunch of family. I'm extroverted, but I like my quiet time. I know that I need my quiet time and like, I need to recharge. And when I'm exposed to a lot of time with people, it takes a lot out of me, especially when those people are a little bit louder, a little bit more rambunctious than me. I'm like, okay, this is great. And I'm having fun, but also like, I need like 10 hours of sleep now. And that week I also did some really hard training. So last week when I had to pull back really hard on my training, it wasn't just because I was actually having a really stressful week work-wise and family-wise because I had a loss in my family. It was also because of the fact that the week before I had really pushed myself physically, mentally, and emotionally. And my body was like, Hey, we need a break. (laughs) And I'm pulling the e-break right now because if you don't take it, you're either going to get sick, you're going to get injured. And so you really need to be aware of that so that you take those breaks, like even if they are unscheduled, like I did, like taking two extra rest days that wasn't planned, do that for yourself. But ideally then proactively look forward and see, okay, how do I prevent this from happening again? And that's what I did on Monday. I sent my coach a super long email being like, Hey, this has happened twice now. And I don't want to keep having this happen where I have to pull the e-break and I have to take multiple unscheduled days off. I want to keep being able to show up for myself, be able to keep training, have more consistency in training. So here's my thoughts. Here are my plans. What do you think? How can we move forward? And he was able to give me some feedback. He was able to like, look at my goals and he was like, totally well, more on the same page. And he went forward and he like updated my plan immediately to recognize that. Yep. And so now I feel like I have a better plan in place to set myself up so that that doesn't keep happening again. Like I have a down week scheduled for the week leading up to Christmas. Cause I'm like super busy work-wise and it's going to be the week before Christmas. Yeah. I'm already stressed out thinking about it. <laughs> Um, cause I have a lot of family. I'm both. My parents are divorced twice. And so I have so many family members oh, no. to see. Yeah. 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 I have so many it's family like members. Extended family of extended family, extended family of extended family. And I am an only child. Um, <laughs> so I, I am too. To, that's fine. I understand the stress. Yeah, <laughs> so I have to be there. I have to show up. Yeah. Like there is no not showing up. Um, and yeah, it, so like there, there has to be those kind of like stoppers or kind of, um, bumper guards in place. And because I took the time to one reflect, why is this happening Two, go forward? How do we change this? Talk with my coach and make those changes proactively. I'm hopefully going to prevent that from happening or continuing again. There was another point that I wanted to make and I forgot what it was. And it was something else that you said, Oh, it's going to bug me. (laughs) I'm trying to think what I was saying to help you out. 
you were talking about the The stress. If you can't run, just do something, you know, like Mm -hmm. let yourself pull back. Yeah. It's escaped me. It'll probably come back. (laughs) It happens. It happens. Um, but yeah, like it, it's, it's so important to find this balance and just like show up for yourself where you can, especially around like hard time of years, Absolutely, Uh, that hard times of the year. There we go. That's better English. (laughs) We're both struggling with pronunciation today. Um, but yeah, so like, tell me a little bit about, cause you also did some multi-marathons like with the majors back to back recently too, right? Yeah. So is that part of like one of the reasons that you're taking a step back right now? Um, that was, that was actually very much a big part of why I took a break the first half of this year. Um, I felt like I kind of burnt myself out on marathons for a little bit. I, so my whole thing that happened and I, this was a whole mindset shift that I just had to figure out and get past. I was, I had, I qualified for Boston in 2020 and they'd never had that race. And then they didn't let us in. Well, they let us in into a bigger pool of people where the, the, in 21, where the cutoff became seven minutes and I only had four minutes. And then they let all the, um, virtual racers in that signed an up after they got, um, rejected from the Boston marathon into 21. And it was a whole mess. And I never got into this race and I was like devastated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, all I want to do is run Boston. And I've been like chasing that BQ again, but it became like a mental, I would say just like a mental struggle. Like I would get through most of the marathon and I would give up. Like I would just walk out off. Like I would just be like, I'm done. Like I can't do this. And it was like marathon after marathon after marathon that I was just like giving up on myself. Like I was getting in with, within 90 minutes of qual- 90 minutes, 90 seconds of qualifying. And I didn't, you know, and it was just like, I kept breaking myself down. So I did these back-to-back marathons last year and it wasn't supposed to be like that. I had the time qualification to get into Chicago. So I signed up for that. Cause I was like, I probably won't do any other races. Well, that was, but I signed up for Chicago before I knew I was going to move out to Utah. And then I moved out to Utah and somebody told me about this awesome qualifying downhill race that I could have done. That was a month before Chicago. And I did that and I broke my body. That was really a dumb idea. Don't it's ever. Cottonwood, just, right? Yeah. Big Cottonwood yeah. Canyon. That's so, that's, that. so that's one of the ones that I, um, I, I also ran and I DNF'd. I stopped um, after I got out of the valley. So for those of you who don't know, it is like a downhill marathon for <laughs> 20 miles. Um, yeah. And there's and parts of it where that like are like 12% grade downhill. So you literally have yeah. no, like you can't control it. You are just going, you are flying yeah. down. Um, and so you're going probably like 30 seconds to a minute faster than what you've probably trained for. Mm-hmm. And then you get to mile 20 and it's this like weird out and back that you just like do on a very flat road, but actually it's not flat. There's some rollers in there. Rollers and so hills, after hills. 20 miles of downhill, then you roll into these rollers and your quads literally just stop working. <laughs> like, Everything stopped working. Yeah. Never and so that's where so I actually, pain. that was my first DNF. That was the first time I ever yeah. like, stopped. And I had like had a, one of those like medical carts, like take me to the finish line. And I was like, cause I had to make the decision. I was like, either I finish this race or I end up injured. Like I can just tell by how my body is feeling right now that like, I am absolutely like screwed. <laughs> and yes. so I 
I, I DNF'd, I stopped. And it was probably the one that like I beat myself up over because I thought that there was something I could have changed in it. But like now looking back, I'm like, nope, nope. There was nothing I could change. God, you're God. That one is so bad if you're not training it. So like Mm -hmm. I ran it 20, I ran it 22 and then 23 this year, they changed the course. There's not that out and back. It was just a, I mean, I now see, cause I live next to it. I ran down that probably about six or seven times. So running down it, I didn't break. I was actually not even that sore for a couple of days afterwards. Like I was fine this year. Last year I moved from Florida a month before elevation, not a thing in Florida. It starts at 9,000 feet elevation and it runs down. I don't think Florida has a hill. No, um, so I, don't. I was just in Florida race. in October and like we <laughs> went up like a, a 15 foot, 15 foot hill hill yeah 15 yep. feet and I was just like oh wow we that's did cute. some elevation today that's yeah. nice isn't that cute <laughs> um so yeah when I did that it broke my body in half and it, I probably couldn't walk okay uh, like normally for like over two weeks after mm-hmm. that race and then I had Chicago now Chicago I did pretty well on but Chicago's a fast course like Chicago is like the best major course yep. I think hands down um, in terms of just the way it's set up and the energy of Chicago. And then and the I fact that accidentally it's fat and fast, fast yes, and flat and flat. And the weather's always perfect. Um, except if it rains, but you know, you don't get hot weather. Um, we'll just put it that way. And then I accidentally got into New York a month later. So I, yeah, accident, well, I put in <laughs> for the lottery and I know, you know, I don't think I'm going to get into New York city lottery, to be honest with you. Like I never would have assumed that one in a million years when I signed up for Chicago and big Cottonwood. And I had, um, back when in March, when they announced everything and I was like, okay, well, I guess we're doing three marathons back to back to back in the fall. I was so burnt out come New York. I, I kind of want to go redo that one someday, but it's not on the top list right now. I so was you did so New York last out. year in 2022. Yes, 2022. Yeah. And it I was, was there. My bo- Oh, were you? Oh, this that's my, I'm wearing my New York shirt the, right now. The hot year, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, but I, the worst it year. I was from Florida. It was fine. See, I was oh, so cold. Well. It was fine. I'm from, was, I'm from New England. So no, it was not fine. That's, <laughs> it was yeah, 70% no. humidity, 70 oh. degrees at the start of the race. It was not fine. I, I don't look, know how you were, but people were dropping like flies on that one. Like everywhere I, I looked left and right, somebody was getting carried off on the stretcher. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is horrible. Yeah. So I, every single photo of me, except for like the first couple going over Verrazano, like I look like I took a shower because I'm a very heavy sweater. So like, yeah. I just looked drenched. Um, I had to make the decision at like the 15 K mark. I was like, I can keep trying at this effort. And like, go for like a decent time or and end up in a med tent um or I need to stop and walk because like I and so like I ended up like walk running the rest of it and that was probably the hardest part because I didn't know how long the marathon was going to take me but after um, 15k mm -hmm. oh that's rough that is rough yeah, I've been so, there. I who that's because that's you still have like 16 miles. To yeah, go. <laughs> I literally yeah. so I knew where my family was, and I was just like, just get to your family, get just there. get to your family, um, because they were over in Manhattan, and I was just like, all right, I just have to get to them on first app. I just have to get to them on first app, and I like like my mom was so concerned. She even says this like to like now a year later, she's like. She's been to a couple of my races. She's been to a couple of my marathons. And she was like, you have never stopped in a race. You have never walked in a race. And when you came up to me and you were walking 
and you were stopping and you were just like fine with talking with us, she was like, I knew something was wrong. Cause like there was like, something had to be very wrong for you to stop because like, I'm very competitive. And she knew that I was trying to go for a decent time. Um, and yeah, yeah, like they were all like, keep going, keep going. And I was like, no, I need a minute. Yeah, (laughs) I need to talk to you guys. I need some water. I want to just stand here for a second because I still have like a 10 K like I need to chill. Um, and then I saw it, like, I went through Brooklyn uh, or no, not Brooklyn, um, Harlem. Harlem was amazing. I don't know if you had that experience, but I loved Harlem because of all the music that was playing. And they had like the big, um, like screen with everybody running. Like you could see yourself being filmed. Gosh, I don't remember Harlem. I had fun in Brooklyn. Brooklyn was fun to, uh, to run through. And that one like pepped me up a little bit because I think Brooklyn was like at eight miles. And I just remember getting there and I'm like, this is the longest eight miles of my life. And I'm like, Oh God, here we go. It's like, (laughs) it's eight miles into a marathon. You should be feeling that. Like, usually I'm there at like mile 22. I'm like, Oh God, this sucks. I need some energy. I was there at eight and I was like, this is, this is going to be rough. (laughs) It was just a rough day. Like, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, but I, I understand that. And I get you where it's like you, the minute you start walking, it's really hard to recover from that. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to recover from walking. And it's just like those races, give yourself grace. Just, yeah. Sometimes you have it. Sometimes you don't just get to that finish line, no matter how long it takes you. So I applaud still, you for still finished still a going. marathon, <laughs> right, still finished right, a major marathon. marathon. Still happy about that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's just like things like that were just like, you just got to keep moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel your pain. Yeah. But anyway, so that was your third marathon. That in was a row. my third. And yeah. And I honestly, it was fun doing race after race after race. I never want to do that again. I was actually kind of concerned about this year because I signed up for Berlin and Chicago. And I was like, this will be the year I probably get in the both. You just wait on lottery. Like I'm just assuming the worst now. Um, but I wanted to get into one. And I was thinking like, maybe they'll let me defer something. You know, one of these races will let us defer. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't get into Berlin, but I got into Chicago. So Congrats. I'm happy, um, you know, but you know, my boyfriend and I, we wanted to do, um, Marine Corps too, but he, since we're doing Chicago now, we're not doing Marine Corps. Cause I was like, I'm not doing a two week break. Yeah. Like, that sounds way too much. And we're like, we'll just do Marine Corps the year afterwards. Cause he's in the army. So, you know, things like he's really excited about that race. And I felt bad that we got into Chicago and not that one, but it's okay. You know, yeah. next year. <laughs> well, congratulations. That'll be exciting. It will be fun. It will be fun. Hopefully it won't be a hot day. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you and me both, but we'll see. <laughs> um, so yeah, kind of talk about, can you talk about like your mission? Cause one, I know yeah. that I mentioned this when we were talking before, but like, I love the relatability that you bring to running and like the videos that you put up about just like the weird stuff that we do as runners and like how it's acceptable. Um, and making, making that something that like one, a parody, but also like giving people like the, like, Hey, this is okay to choose these things. Like, it yeah. is, it is important to you. I think that was one of the things that I wanted to talk about before was like ch- being so mindful of what you're doing and like having to make those choices. Um, because we think about like how all of these things are going to play out. And like, that's one of the things as a runner, like you literally think five steps ahead of like how this one thing is going to influence you. And yeah. whether that be a food choice, like eating something questionable, like a couple of days before a race, like, is this going to go well? Um, or like last night 
I was out with my boyfriend and he was like, do you want to go get a drink somewhere? And I was like, uh, and I, I ended up saying no. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like, no, like, because it's so late. Like, I know that it's actually going to disturb my sleep and I have the 5k that I want to run well on, on Sunday. And so like, I know that all of this will actually impact that. And so like, I'd rather just go home if that's okay. (laughs) And I feel so bad, like saying that sometimes, but like, that's sometimes what we have to do as runners. And like, we do these weird things that we're sacrificing one thing to be able to run these crazy miles or race crazy races. Yeah. No, and it's so true. And that's funny. Like I was having that same conversation where God, I, it's like Christmas party after Christmas party after Christmas party right now. And, and I think I had mentioned like right now, like my goal is to just get back on track with fitness and my nutrition, because like, I've been so off of it for <laughs> so long right now. And I have to say no at these parties. Like, I don't really want to drink. I understand it's a social thing, but I, I just can't right now because I'm trying to get back on track in the minute. Like, it's just like even one mistake to me right now is like very like off-putting because I've been so off. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. like kind of getting to that comfort zone of just letting yourself down again. Um, which I'm not always going to be this rigid. I just have to get back into that routine. And once I'm like back into a healthy routine, then I can, I don't mind a drink. I don't mind pizza. I don't mind a hamburger and fries. Like I don't mind any of that stuff. But if I resort to it now, I just keep making those choices. And it's like, it's really about, finding that line. And like you asked about my mission and my mission, like, especially like, cause I'm in behavior therapy, mental health therapy, um, like not in like, that's my, like, that's what I work with, with clients, um, and running and endurance. Like the mission is to like, not let not, or it's to help people not feel so alone in their journey to better mental health and fitness, because both of those things are very lonely if or and very confusing because you have everybody throwing something at your face every single day of do this workout, do this run, take this time. This is self-care now. Do this. Tell them no, you know, tell your boss to F off, whatever. It's like that's for your mental health. And it's just like that doesn't none of these work for everybody. And it's like the overwhelm. Um, like I always tell people schedule a mental health check-in. It could be 10 minutes, just like you schedule your runs. Like don't skip on it. Right. And like, you know, just like you schedule a meeting, schedule your workout and don't skip it. Like imagine your boss getting mad that you skipped that workout for yourself. Like you are your boss, like get mad at yourself for like letting yourself down on that. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you have to make these commitments to yourself. And that's a huge part of, um, the mission that I'm on. And my, what I post on Instagram, like, I just want people to like, make it light, right. Where I see like a lot of runners, it's very like just throwing information at your face. It's like, did you know this? And it's like, follow my tips. It has to be these tips. And it's like the same tips over and over again, like a hundred different times that I've seen 300 different people post. And like, that's fine, but it's overwhelming. I wanted to bring light about it where it's like, Oh, guess what we do. And that's like, let's just joke about having fun as runners and knowing that these things are okay. And you're not alone. And we all think this way. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I always say like, it's like diving inside a runner's mind. Like, how are we thinking? Like, Oh, I hear you see math numbers and trying to add up. I'm like, I see miles and I do the numbers that way. You know, it's just like these little different things that helps people relate and understand that they're not there nothing's wrong with them because they're rigid about their running and everyone around them doesn't understand why they run right like other runners understand them but you know significant others like up until recently i've never dated a guy that ran 
I, and it was always me feeling like something was wrong with me. And that's, I'm finally in the place that I can say that, but they always made me feel guilty for running until I'm finally with my boyfriend. Now that's like, let's sign up for marathons. And it took me a while to be like, huh, somebody else is like thinking like me. (laughs) And it's like, that's the kind of like help I want to bring other people where people think like you and there's nothing wrong with you. And there's ways to understand yourself and your mind and get to know yourself in a healthy way. That's maybe not working for somebody else. And that's, that's my mission. Amazing. Yeah. And I think be true to like who you are and find the people that are going to support you in that Yeah, because like it is okay. Again, it's it's okay to be a crazy runner. Like it's okay to have this passion and have this grit in something that most people find uncomfortable. And like, we are a little weird for Mm -hmm. liking to do just something so repetitive and very, that can be very isolating. Um, by ourselves for long periods of time or for really hard, fast miles. Like we are, we are a different breed. The people in your life that want to be there and support you, even if they don't understand you, even if they don't like get it, like they'll still show up for you and they'll, they'll show up for you the best that you can. And they don't have to do it perfectly. And they don't have to do it how you would maybe show up for somebody else in that regard, because you're a runner and you understand but they're going to do their best to support you. So my, yeah. my partner, he he doesn't identify as a runner. He tries to run though, which I super appreciate because none of my other partners in the past have ever tried to do that. And so right. he tries to be there. He wants to be at every single race. Um, even the ones that I'm like, this isn't really that important. It's not that it's significant. Like you don't have to go to your out of your way. And he's like, nope, I want to be there. Like, I'm going to try to be there if I can be there um, to cheer you on and like you know, support you. And I'm like, that's really sweet of you because yeah. it means a lot that you want to to be there for me and that he even tries to run to kind of be in my world. And like we work out together in terms of we go to the same gym. And so like that's also like another like subset where like he really loves to strength train and like he um, plays Australian football. And so one of the reasons I was actually planning to sign up for Chicago Lottery and I didn't this year um, because, and I was like really hopeful to be able to get into the lottery for next year, but I didn't because I knew or had a suspicion that his national tournament was going to end up on the same weekend as oh. Chicago. And I was like, I can't, like, I physically can't sign up for that and know that he's going to be in Texas playing in his nationals. And I'm going to be in Chicago trying to run a marathon. Like I'm not going to have my heart into it. I would have wanted to be there for him, even though I don't play Australian football. I love absolutely like supporting him in that and seeing his element and all of those things. And again, I don't fully understand it. I'm never going to fully understand it. He's been playing it since he was little. I've been running since I was little, but we both meet each other where we're at and we both try to uplift each other and support each other to be able to like create that like support and movement forward for us to reach our like individual goals, even though they're on different planes. And again, the people that want to be there for you will be there for you in the ways that they can like, and invite people to do that, like offer it out to people. Cause if you don't ask most times, like people don't know that you want that. Right it's important for us to communicate, Hey, this is something that means a lot to me. And I would really love if you would be there or you would do this, or maybe you'll just like bike alongside me or something. And if you come to people in that respect and talk openly about it and like tell them how much it would mean to you for them to be there, 
most people are going to be like, oh yeah, of course. Like, absolutely. I would do that for you. Um, because they see that it yeah. would really speak loudly on like your relationship and grow. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And I love that you brought up that you guys support each other because it's just like when I, when I've talked about run, like dating people that don't run in the past, it's not that you have to date a runner, right? Like no. I've never, again, I've ne- I never gave dated up. I a runner. People, <laughs> right. I always told people I gave up on the notion of dating a runner. Cause I just didn't think it would ever, like, I don't know. Runners are not my type, I guess, but they should be my type. I don't know. It's fine, but they understand you, but you're also like, do I want to be this competitive I- with somebody? Yeah. Like, do I want to be on that same level the entire time? Do I want to be? Exactly. That's that's a bit of like a, and and like it works for some people, not not harping on people. people. Yeah. But like, I totally get that. Yeah. And like, it's like when I started dating my boyfriend now, like it's really just interesting because he's like not a huge runner, but he's like, I like running. So he just likes to, he just likes to go out and run with me and like hike and he's just active and it's just, I've never dated an active guy. Right. So it's like, it's cool when you can see, like you can support them and they can support you. And it's like, they don't have to do the same things, but it's like, you can mutually support each other. It really does make the sport different. Yeah. Yeah. You show up and you have the same values. You have the same goals Yeah, and like, you may get their differently you may get you may be on different paths but like regardless you're doing those same things together and those same things you again both value and have and like that's something that like I've realized is one of the biggest differences like coming into a relationship like I have now and I'm like it's not only that we have a lot in common we we also have a lot of things that are that make us individuals that are different between us But the main thing that brought us together and one of the reasons that like we were like, wow, this is actually something like worth investing time and energy and effort into is because we were both like we have the same values and the same goals, not only in one area of our life, but like a lot of areas of our lives. And like if we're that similar on those things, which are those those are the things that are going to create a great relationship longer and longer is like we need to invest in that. We need to put the work into that and like keep, keep honest and open communication towards that. No, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree on that one. I love that. I remember. So backtracking, I remember my thoughts from, Oh, what is it? So you said, um, the like common, like thought where like running is cheaper than therapy. And I'm like, but is it, is it cheaper than therapy with how many pairs of shoes that you need? And like, if you're doing the major marathons, like how much the qualifying, like, like monies it is. Um, like somebody told me yesterday that like New York this year was like 300 and something dollars. I'm like, yeah, what? I paid 245 for New York. I don't know what, wasn't yes. it 245 last year? Yeah. Yes. It was like 245 yeah. or 265, something which is, like that. Which is still a lot. Still makes a lot. Us be like, oh, it's just 245. That's a no, lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And now it's over 300. It's over $300 Ooh, to get into New York. Sucks. So guess what guys? Therapy is probably actually cheaper. <laughs> Yeah. In overall, and like running is not a substitute for therapy. You have to talk about it. And it doesn't have to be necessary. Like if you can't access a professional, just talk to somebody. Talk to somebody that you know that you trust, that you love, that will be there and support you. And that can at least be open to like maybe just listening to you and validating yeah. what you feel. Um, but if you can absolutely talk with a therapist, like do that because it's going to transform you as a human being and as a runner to be able to get into one, a healthier space with your running, but two, um, being able to actually push a little bit deeper 
in your running and like have this like more open of a capacity. And it, it takes time. Like I remember working with my therapist and when I first started working with her and we were diving into like all the things of like my life, I was realizing like, just like how many things, like I kind of still needed to work through that, like it happened in my past and like, none of it was like overly traumatic, but there was just like these little things that like definitely left imprints and left little scars and like that influenced further relationships or relationships later on. And I realized that running at that time, previous to the, to that time was used as like almost like an escape so that I didn't have to think about those things so that I almost tired myself out so much that I didn't have to face those things. And then coming back into running while like actively talking about that, I found it very hard to push myself out of my comfort zone and work really hard and get into those intensities because on the back end, I was working through a lot of like intense things in my mind. And it took time until, till like being able to talk about it and like not only recognize the things that I need to like improve upon, but like how I'm going to actively work towards that to be a better person, a better coach, a better human being, a better yeah. partner. Um, that after that point, now I have this whole other level of respect and ability to work at a certain, like to work at a degree and know that my running isn't replacing that side of my life. And it's not me running away from anything anymore. It's me running towards something and having some, like having this drive that's really for me and this like internal intrinsic motivator and grit for me, instead of it being fueled by something that like was traumatizing in my past or aggravating or whatever the emotion may be. No, you're, you're so right. And what's kind of interesting too, like you you got, you brought up so many good points about running in therapy. Um, there are, there are, they're very, very specific. They're kind of hard to find. Um, but like, you know, like I'm in the area, I have two really amazing friends who are in the extreme sports area of therapy. And, um, it's a, it's a very awesome niche because it's not only what you're dealing with in the past, right? Like there Mm -hmm. is trauma and I'm not going to lie. Like I've always said it like ultra marathoners and extreme sports, um, uh, extreme sport athletes, there's a lot of trauma in their past. Usually if you talk to them, there's a lot of trauma. Now I'm not, not so much with marathoners. Like there still can be trauma. I'm not discounting anybody, but you don't find the, like the, the more extreme amounts. Right. Mm-hmm. And those people, it has a lot to do with like your endorphins and the fight or flight mode that you can put yourself into and the pain that you can physical pain that you can handle. And it has a lot to do with the emotional pain that you've experienced. And there's a, like, that could be a whole topic on its own. But, um, when you're finding a therapist, you can align it with your goals. Like therapists should be asking you like, what, like, what are your goals out of this? And if it's like, one of those are to perform better in a sport that you're in, they should be addressing that too. On top of like addressing the trauma or the anxiety or whatever else you're going through, they can also work through the sports side of it. And that's why it's, maybe sports psychologists do it. I sports psychologists are more like team oriented, but when you find a therapist, if they know sports and they know endurance sports, they can help you through that side because there is a lot to do when it comes to the sports side of it, to push yourself, to let go of fear of injury. If you've been injured in the Mm -hmm. past, 
a lot of people put like blockades and they don't let themselves go past a certain point because they're scared of that injury again, right? Like they, they went through the pain, they had to go through the recovery, all of that. They're not going to get back to that point. And that's a mental block. Like that's not really much of a physical block. That's more mental. You mm-hmm. can push yourself. Your body can still do it. You know, um, believing you can win. I even told, I even said, I just said it about Boston. Like I literally have not qualified for Boston again because I don't let myself like my body, my training's been perfect. I don't let myself, I give up halfway through and I'm like, this isn't even worth it. Why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And that's a mental block that it's like, I'm working right now to get past. Like I have to take those active steps of like unraveling why I don't let my, like why I just don't let myself succeed. And a lot of that has to go like, back to what we believe we deserve. I mean, there's so much many ties into running and performance, mm-hmm. running in general, other than just letting running allow you to run away from your problems. Like you have to face it all. And when you're, you're able to find the right therapist that kind of like brings it all together. And like, it's like, well, you know what, if you're so like, you're stressed out, like your fight or flight mode is the adrenaline is broken. There's no, like, there's no, question on why you can't perform in your marathons. And I'll say too, like I've been, when I moved out here, I was in fight or flight all year, all year. I was in that stress, fight or flight, rigid, anxiety driven. Like I probably was in it for about nine months and my running sucked. It Mm -hmm. sucked. I would tire out so quickly. I couldn't figure out why I was tiring out and why I wasn't like able to even like get through a six mile run without stopping and walking and like catching my breath. Because like when my heart rate, heart rate would reach a certain point, I would panic. It would be like, Oh, I got, I got to stop. And like the elevation here didn't help. And when I came down from that adrenaline rush, because life happens and I probably laid and slept for like three days straight, couldn't really get out of bed. Didn't wake up early, just slept until I had to go to work and came home and probably just laid back in bed. It was just a broken adrenaline rush. My running since I've recovered from that has been amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, things like that, where it's like therapists should be able to identify those things. And I tell people, you might have to go through like seven or eight therapists before you find the right one. Don't not go to therapy. Cause you don't like the first one you find. You're going to have to find somebody that relates to you. And yeah. sometimes it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, what's really cool about social media is like, we're starting to get a taste for professionals um, that are posting on social media before we go and meet them. Um, so you kind of know that your like your interests align and your personalities align. And there's nothing wrong with not being matched with a good therapist. Like you're like, that doesn't make them a bad therapist. No the energy just might, might not be there. And if the energy's not there, you're not going to get anywhere. So yeah. it's like, just keep trying other people until you get there. Yeah. You definitely have to build that no like, and trust. And that is like the beauty of the fact that like, we do have social media now and we can create those relationships without even like directly interacting with people. Um, I mean, that's how I got in touch with, um, the nutrition coach that I'm working with right now. And like, it's been great. Um, but so yeah, if people side note, if people have questions on like a nutrition coach that like specifically works with endurance athletes, I know a coach as well as a registered dietitian that I would be happy to like help people out with. So if people have questions about that, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at the personalized running doc, and I'll send you guys that way. Second note from what you just said, because I was like, oh, that would be a great topic. And I'm going to have to have you back on to talk about maybe like more of the research side of things, but it was like the extreme sports and like the trauma, like 
Oh my gosh. Yes. How that, cause I mean, I'm the first person that comes to mind. Um, it isn't actually like running, but it's, um, Alex Honnold, um, who he climbed, um, he, I don't think he has the record anymore, but he climbed, um, oh my God, in Yosemite, uh, yeah, he free climbed and like, they've like done like brain scans on like people like him and like your, your brain is actually like firing differently. Like his perception and his fear response does not turn on as quickly as like maybe you or I would. We have self-preservation that's like a little bit more in check. And his is like, you have to go so, so far to really like start to trigger that for him. Yeah. And so like free climbing, like no ropes, no nothing. Like if you fall, you fall, you die. Like that is an extreme like sport right there (laughs) and like cliff diving and things like that. Um, And so looking, I would love to have you back on to like talk about that and maybe like talk about like how that impacts like specifically like runners and things like that when we're looking at like the longer and longer distances, because it definitely makes sense as to like why we're able to push ourselves a little bit deeper and push ourselves a little bit farther than the average person, why we can go run 10 miles and be like, eh, whatever. And somebody's like, what do you mean? (laughs) You just casually ran. There's a lot to it. Um, and like it, I think it would also help me. Cause like, I struggle sometimes like how to my, again, my partner is not a runner and he's like, I just can't go and do it. Like I get so bored and I'm like, well, you just have to go and do it. Like, I don't understand. What do you mean? Like you, you just have to kind of like build up your tolerance to it, but maybe there's something there a little bit again, deeper based upon like yeah. my experiences, my experiences versus his that doesn't allow the, like that same tap in and what actually maybe is a component of what makes somebody eventually come into running if they didn't start off as a child. Like maybe those are the things that one of the reasons we choose running as an option and those people end up enjoying it. So I'm going to have you come back on to talk about that and talk about the research behind that. That one's a fun one. It really is. The brain firing is insane. And yeah, you're right. Like it takes so much longer for some of these people to feel like what most people like feel right away. And it's crazy. It's fun though. It's fun. Amazing. Well, Sarah, it has been such a pleasure talking with you. We've gone on so many different tangents and that's one of the reasons why I like bringing other coaches and like professionals on this is because like, we just talk about so many of the different, like running's complicated. Like it's complicated. Life is complicated. It's one of the reasons that running is a great metaphor for life, but like there are so many different things that we have to kind of like account for that play in and out. And none of us are doing it perfectly. Some of us we're just trying to figure out our way through. Um, and that's okay. And I think you're really spreading that message and creating that like unity and community in the running community. Um, and I love that. And I, I love your mission and I, I hope that it continues to grow. Um, is there anything right now in terms of going on for you, for people to get in touch with you, to work with you, anything like that, anything you want to share? Yeah. If you, I mean, like if anybody listening to this has been, you know, it's struggling with like thoughts, like wants to perform better in their running or like maybe struggling with things that they're, um, dealing with outside of it. Like I, I have links on my Instagram. I should have links on my Instagram. I, I will have a links on my Instagram run, thrive, survive. And I'm there and anywhere you could find social media, run, thrive, survive, run, thrive, survive.com, um, for personal coaching as well. And I'm happy to hear from anybody. I, answer Instagram and emails the most. 
don't TikTok me. I don't do that. <laughs> I, I, I'm on TikTok, but I don't TikTok. It's fine. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you again for being on. And I appreciate everything we got to talk about. We will definitely have you back on to talk a little bit more about those extreme sports. Thank you, Lauren. But that is all for today's episode of the Up and Running podcast. I hope you enjoyed and had some key takeaways from today's episode. If there are other questions or topics that you are looking for me to dive into, please reach out to me via Instagram and shoot me a DM at the personalized running doc today. I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.